we're sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. <laughs> no exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Get, Get it, it for, for free, free in the, the app, app store. store. <laughs> Oh, hello. Are you there? Ding dong, ding dong. Hello? <gasps> hi. Did you hear me? I was saying hi. No, I was doing my dishes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Do you want help with your dishes? What's your name? Um, My name is Mackenzie. Oh, my name's Liz. Nice to meet you. Oh, uh, this might be really forward, but do you want to start a Desperate Housewives podcast? Oh my God. Yeah, I do. I actually was thinking the same thing. That's why I'm knocking on your door right now. Okay. I think I have the perfect name. Can you say it with me just so we know it's meant to be? Yeah. Wisteria, Wisteria Gaze. Oh! Welcome to Wisteria Gaze. This is a podcast where I, Mackenzie, and my dear, dear friend Liz say hi. Hi. <laughs> Watch and discuss every episode of Desperate Housewives. We're gay. We're here to play, baby. Oh, <laughs> we would like to play. We would like to play. I'm excited to talk about this episode. I'm we just did a little rewatch together. We so did. It's fresh in my brain. I'm very excited. So as am I. We are so going to as be am I. <laughs> so as am I. <laughs> That's my new name. Oh, hi, so as am I. How I've are ascended you? to godhood. <laughs> I am the god and lord of desperate housewives. Thank God, I'm so glad you're here. Yes. My lord and savior, so as am I. There will be a season in which Gabrielle Solis Are you speaking plays the- Fortnite? <laughs> Gabby's like, I just took out Tomato Town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know nothing about Fortnite except for a meme song. Anyway, <laughs> this is season two, episode 13. And we're going to talk about it. You ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm this ready. episode premiered January 22nd, 2006. It was written by Kevin Edden and directed by Larry Shaw. For hashtag Sondheim Watch, the title of this episode is called There's Something About a War. And it's a song that Stephen Sondheim wrote for the musical A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, which has since been cut from all productions. Is it a Reddit musical? <laughs> yes. It's a musical about, about Reddit users. Oh, yeah. Like the forums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, for Wisteria International, in France, this episode was called "If The Truth If You Speak, which makes okay. no sense. In Germany, this was called The Art of War. Yes. Yeah. And in Italy, this was called The Discreet Charm of War. Uh, I guess like a, a question I have, and I don't know why I'm just asking this now, is I'm curious if... In these other countries, this is what the Sondheim song is called as well, or if it's I just, don't know. or if it's just like these are airing in a different country, so we have different rain, and we can just rename it if we want to. Yeah, I think maybe it just maybe the, maybe the the Sondheim title translates differently. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I know sometimes like uh, uh, like English has more like articles mm-hmm. and things than other languages do, so maybe it just translates differently and it comes out funny. Yeah, I don't know. Also, something I realized about myself is that I have been forgetting to look up Emmy Awards. Really? There haven't been a lot of them, nom- mm-hmm. nom-wise. Like, season one was heavily nominated. Season two, not so much. And going on, we're not going to have a ton of Emmy Award noms. But this episode, randomly, was nominated for Outstanding Art Direction for a single camera series. Oh. So that's fun. And I realized I missed um, a couple of them. The episode for Rex's Funeral... You know what I'm talking about? I think it's like se- early season two. Yeah. Like, it got nominated for best costumes and hairstyling. <laughs> and the actress that plays Rex's mom got a nomination for best guest actress. Oh, wow. So I missed them. I will be more on top of the Emmy noms in the future. I forgot that there was a whole episode where Brie, like, <laughs> threw her wedding ring away. Yeah. And remember when she when she pulled his corpse out and changed his top yeah, for it? That was the episode that got nominated for best costume and hairstyling. Woof. Woof a doof. But those are all my notes for the top of the episode. Okay, and that's this episode. All right, then we're done. Goodbye, everybody. That's season two, episode thirteen.
And now that Mackenzie's out of the door, oh, let me let me walk oh. away first. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm still in the room. Let me. Okay, everyone, it's just us now. Let's talk about the episode. We open on Edie Britt. Hey, oh, I heard Edie. Yeah, I had to come back in because I heard Edie. Yeah, I think you forgot that we had to talk about the Ugh, episode. You're right. Fuck. Oh, I love that we open on Edie and then we don't see her for the rest of the whole episode. I, to be honest, when I watched this episode, totally didn't notice that. Really? It's because it was giving to me first. So I just <laughs> forgot. <laughs> yes. But do you want to talk about the scene? What happens in it? Yeah. We have our Mary Alice monologue. She's talking about understanding the nature and the art of war and how Edie Britt understands it very well. Of course. Love is a battlefield. Pat Benatar. And (laughs) the easiest way to survive is to surrender. And we get kind of a compilation of Edie surrendering to Carl's whims. Like she wants to go on a vacation. He's like, no, just things like that. He's a douche. Yeah, he really is. And she deserves better. It's like painful for me to watch this knowing I would treat her right, you know, knowing I would treat her like a queen Mm -hmm. and having to watch her be mistreated by Carl. I'm like, Edie, date me challenge. But we get Queen Edie because she's sitting down, she's watching her, her like 1940s war (laughs) movie in black and white (laughs) on the television. And Carl sits down, turns on football and she goes, Hey, that's my movie. Um, that's my 1940s war propaganda. (laughs) Excuse me. And Carl's like, well, my game's on, so we're watching my game. And she decides to, like, seduce him. This little nighty situation (laughs) was a lot for me. She seduces him, and she's like, how about we, like, kick it up a notch this week? And she ties him to the bedpost. (laughs) And when she just... Oh, I love this scene it's so good. because she leaves him tied to the bedpost <laughs> and she goes back downstairs and just gets like a little piece of pie, snuggles whipped up on cream. the couch. Yes. Put that whipped cream on me. <laughs> Let me lick it off you, Edie, <laughs> please. Uh, and she leaves him up there while she watches her show. Lesbian of the episode nominee. Yes. I'm throwing it out. We haven't had an Bold. Edie win in a while. I yes. thought a queen who would rather watch her movies and have sex with a man. Let it be the episode nominee. Yes. I just love her. I miss her winning every week, you know? Yeah. We got to get back on that train. <laughs> we got to get back to giving Edie it every week. Yeah. And then we get the opening credits. I believe the shorter version of them before we go to the guest bedroom at the Apple White House. And Mary Alice is telling us that it has the best view on the lane. She mentioned the Hoover house and it made me sad. Rip. Yeah. Uh, but alas newspapers are going up and covering up that view and we see that Matthew is blocking up the windows because he is preparing the room for Caleb to live in and Betty comes in and is immediately angry and Matthew starts advocating for his brother and we talked about this last week but like where is this character shift coming from I don't know I don't know if love is making him (laughs) a different person but truly it's as if they flipped Betty and Matthew's just character traits. Yeah. And I know we already talked about this, so we don't have to get super into but it. We but we talked about it offline. And like, and I want to say to the audience, not to like misuse this term, because I think this term is misused a lot often, but I also can't think of another word. You, we, you were jokingly, we were joking together and you were like, this show is gaslighting us on their personalities. <laughs> yeah. Because truly, like, I'm just confused because I, I am thinking to myself, did I make up that Matthew was the angry one in the beginning? I don't yeah. think I am. No. I'm pretty sure he was the one that was like against Caleb being not like he was not the one that in was the like, basement because yeah, he was like, if the police find them, they're going to kill him. And Betty was like, he's my son. I want him to live a normal life. So like, I don't know where this shift came from. And it's like, they've just made Betty. And I think that will maybe we can talk about it more, especially near the end. But they've just kind of made her like a lot meaner and angrier and less loving than she was and i don't know why they've villainized her so quickly yeah i just like i know she's the season mystery but that doesn't necessarily mean she has to be a bad person yeah and i just don't know why the show is kind of suddenly throwing this new personality of betty at us i still love valfrey woodard Mm -hmm. i I, like the ending we'll talk about it but i I love it i actually do think it's fun and juicy but I just don't think it was written in a way that justifies it. Does that yes. make sense? Yeah. They didn't build it up well enough for me yeah. as like with the story. 
but that's kind of what that scene is yeah it's basically they fight about that about whether or not caleb and i think it ends with caleb being able to go upstairs yeah it does and then we cut to Carlos and Gabby in church. <sighs> Carlos starts talking about babies again, just like in the middle of the service. Because I think Gabby's like cooing at a baby that's yeah. in front of them. And Gabby says something that is completely like reasonable and yes. understandable where yes. she says, listen, I just had like a miscarriage. So I do not know when I will be ready if I will be ready. Yes, I that's completely understandable. I know people who have um, suffered from miscarriages and like, yeah, you don't just bounce back from that. Like yeah. it's like you you need time and you need to re- even really reevaluate if having a child yourself is something that you want. Like it's yeah. But also like speaking of time, <laughs> uh Sister Mary Hotpants is back from her 3-month mission. Wasn't when it supposed she, to be 3 months? I think it was supposed to be 3 months. When did what episode did she leave? Like 2 episodes ago. Oh, there was a there was a a season there was a break in the middle of the season oh, okay. do you remember how it kind of ended around beginning of december and then we picked up january yes so there was a bit of a season like a mid-season break so that might be what they're using to justify okay that because for audiences watching in real time it might have been a couple months before mm-hmm. they saw her again okay <laughs> not to defend the show but, <laughs> but i think that might be what that is it was no, like i think it's supposed to be two months or two that is very months. understandable i think i am just we're like watching it in rapid succession sometimes. yeah yeah sister mary hot pants comes in after her mission and god <laughs> i want to put the clip of gabby saying oh, this line in here do it sister mary bernard son of a bitch It's just so funny. It was so fun. I I howled with laughter. Gabby was really funny this episode for me. Yeah. Sometimes Gabby's shenanigans, I'm like, girl, but this was a very funny episode. That was once so fucking funny. A, once in a while, we get her to be the comedy queen. She takes the crown comedy off queen. of Susan and she places it on her forehead. It's a little, it's a little bit big. But she, she uh, <laughs> but it fits. Yes. <laughs> That was v- so funny. And that was the button of the scene, I believe. Yes. Because then we cut back to another <laughs> wild scene. Brie is arriving home and she angrily picks up a pink backpack. She brings it upstairs to Danielle, who I guess is also back from her mission trip because I feel like she's been gone for 12 fucking years. Oh, yeah. Like, I was <laughs> confused for a minute because I was like, did Danielle go on a mission trip? And I didn't realize. No, it was a bad joke I just made. <laughs> um, and... Sorry, I just can't. My brain stop functioning when I think about this scene. Brie knocks on the door and it's like locked. I think. Yeah. And she's like, Danielle, what the fuck's going on? And Danielle is topless. She's topless with Matthew, and she's like kissing him from behind, which was kind of weird. That's how we cradling him in her arms. Um, Um, they but they leap into getting dressed and. Brie is like, "What's up? What's going on? I need you need to do your homework." And and it's just it's kind of a shenanigans of them trying to get dressed. Danielle opens the door. Brie does not suspect anything at the moment, but starts to pick up the laundry. And for some reason, when she goes to pick up what I'm assuming is Matthew's shirt from the ground, that's like kind of under the bed. Matthew keeps his hand on it. So his little hand goes out. It's because he put on some gorilla glue <laughs> and he accidentally <laughs> touched she it. She ripped his skin off when yes. she pulled the fucking, but like the way <laughs> the, I need a gif of it. It's so weird. The way his hand just like daintily goes out and then pulls itself back in as if she wouldn't have noticed his hand came out. Um, and then we get a pretty wild line. We do. Danielle, question. Is there a black man hiding under your bed? So that line kind of buttons the scene, and then we immediately cut to Brie bringing the two kids over to Betty to be like, look what our kids were doing. They were they were necking in the bedroom. And Betty slaps the shit out of Matthew. I felt it. In front of every... Like, what is going on with Betty's character? And then she immediately says, we're moving. And... <laughs> I kissing Danielle Vandekamp. <laughs> that's where I draw the line. We're moving. But then we cut to boom. Lynette and Tom. Lynette is very stressed out over work. She's working on a yogurt pitch. Yogurt. Sorry, a yogurt. Yogurt. <laughs> a, a yogurt pitch. And 
at first I thought this scene was her trying to ploy him into like helping her out a little bit because the previous episode we found out that he was very unhappy. He wants to be working again. So I thought she was like, oh, maybe like I can get him to help me with this a little bit. But that's not what this scene was. It was truly just her being stressed out. And then Tom was like giving her ideas. Yeah. And she was like, oh, that's great. And she was like taking the ideas, shaping them to what she thought would work better they and basically like it that way. They they babies they 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 collaborated. They collaborated. <laughs> That's what we just did when yeah. I couldn't speak. But they basically invent the baby bell cheese cow. Oh yeah, like a cow that has a personality. Yeah. It seems like like I thought I liked Tom in this scene. I thought he was being supportive and sweet. And it seems like I can see why she's the better ad exec because he's good at just like saying whatever and throwing the spaghetti at the wall. Right. He's good at just getting just ideas out, which sometimes like, I feel like I'm like Lynette. Like I don't want to say anything until it's perfect. So I'm afraid to just start throwing stuff out, but he's not. So I think they kind of compliment each other in a way because yeah, he, he gave her the seed of the good idea, but then she made it a great idea. Mm -hmm. I think that's why she is, so good at her job is because she can take these like nuggets of potential and make them into great ad plans. Yeah. And so, and I think I have more opinions on it throughout the episode, So do I. but yeah, that's, I just, I, I thought it was a good, I thought this was a cute scene. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you are, you think of yourself as more of a Lynette in this situation because like, I think sometimes I feel like a Tom where I'm just kind of throwing things out there, but it's kind of in a way where it's like, sometimes I just don't know where to go mm-hmm. with these ideas that I have it's it's sometimes it's frustrating yeah no absolutely (laughs) like i sometimes i I wish i could just do things and not think about them but i'm always like i have such this like perfection complex i think where i'm like i don't want to put something out that's not exactly what i think it should be Mm -hmm. and the because of that things don't get made i think i think you need to have a good balance of both of those personalities in order to like get shit out and um i think they could complement each other well i if you're listening to this, you've probably seen the whole episode. I'm interested to see where the storyline goes in terms of them as collaborators. Yeah, same. But before we get to that, Susan arrives home from a date with Dr. Ron. Yeah. Susan wants to fuck. Yeah, she wants to bone down. <laughs> but he doesn't want to stay. No. Which is understandable. He's like, you're technically still my patient, so I don't want to have sex until you're not my patient anymore. Has he not watched Grey's Anatomy? Everyone does that. But... Does it ever work out on Grey's Anatomy? No. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So maybe he has. Maybe he has. Right here I wrote Susan Respect Boundaries Challenge (laughs) because she still tries to get him inside when he's like, I don't want to do this right now. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't remember what shifts it. I just know he plants a big one on her. Yeah. And is like, I'm going to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kiss you right when I can, or what, some whatever dramatic <laughs> bullshit. Uh, I don't hate them, like right here. I have thoughts. Oh, I have tell me, tell me. I do not like Doctor Ron. Whoa. I feel like I can talk about more of that later. Do you want to? Do I you want to talk, talk about more of that later? I can talk more about that later. <laughs> My brain is eggs. <laughs> <laughs> they're gone i have no brains um that's interesting i don't hate him actually i i i don't like i don't dislike him i don't think i like i love him as much as i love our mikey poo but uh i don't hate him so i'm interested to see when let me know just let me know when you're ready to open up about dr ron yeah and we'll get there but before then we go to carlos and sister mary hot pants having a little meetup in the driveway uh because clearly he doesn't want gabby to know that they're meeting why is hot pants his therapist i don't i literally wrote that down also (laughs) she is his therapist she's like tell me what's wrong what's going on carlos you seem so broken she's like his therapist but she's also the world's worst therapist where (laughs) where she's also like just whispering in his ear oh yeah being like um because he's he's talking about how he doesn't think gabby wants to have kids Mm -hmm. and she says she's not ready and mary's like well you might be screwed because gabby might not want kids ever so maybe you should look into this and it hands him like a pamphlet about annulments yeah because divorce is not allowed in ye old catholic church yeah which can you get an annulment when you've been married to someone for years what is the difference between an annulment 
and a divorce um an annulment basically me and i went to catholic high school so that's the only reason why i know this basically annulments for the catholic church it makes it to where like your marriage never existed in the eyes of god so like divorcing it is a it is like a mark right like you always were you were married and now you are divorced annulments are like a clean slate they're like basically in the eyes of god in the eyes of the church the marriage never existed in the first place but i'm not quite sure the legalities of that literally i think that one of the reasons you could be like if your marriage wasn't consummated like if you had been married and not had sex yet then you could have an annulment because technically your marriage had not been like okay concrete yet but Gabby and Carlos have had a lot of sex so I'm not quite sure the semantics of modern annulments and I don't know someone who knows about annulments and who's Catholic DM us and we'll do a mini-sode we'll do a mini-sode about it because I'm confused so am I and I would like to learn and then we cut to Lynette calling Tom to tell him the good news yes they got the baby bell cheese account hell yeah and Tom looks like he has life again like yeah. he, he looks very excited. He's asking about his ideas and if she went with all of them. And she was like, no, I had to change things. Yeah, clearly. I mean, we can hear them. The ideas aren't great. Like no. the one of them was like a weird Bill Clinton joke, I think. And, and and clearly Lynette is trying to be nice and just be like, um, we didn't get around to it. But like Monica Mewinski. Yeah. And like Bill Clinton or yeah. something like they're kind of objectively bad ideas. But Lynette's being nice and just being like, no. Yeah, and this is the first mention that we get that they're going to be able to hire a new executive because, because they the got pitch, money. yeah, the pitch went so well, which is probably good because were they having a bunch of layoffs recently? Yes, that was the whole because thing. of Lynette. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're right, Lynette. What are you doing to this company? And then we cut to Susan and her wandering liver. We her find wandering a- spleen. Oh, yeah, it's over by her liver. Yes, uh, we find out that. She's going to need surgery. Yeah. And I think this is a very funny moment because Susan's like, Dr. Ron, you're going to be the first time you see me naked. I'm going to be on a, a, a table. And I'm like, Susan, do you think you're going to be fully nude? <laughs> just laying down on this table. Like you're not going to get a gown. Like you're just going to be you're like coochie out. <laughs> coochie like, out. Titties out. Yeah. Body cavity open. <laughs> like, yeah. What does she think surgery is? She's you're, never had a surgery you're like, before. Especially for a spleen. Honestly, like if it's anything like a like an appendicite like an appendectomy, it's probably gonna be done laparoscopically. So she will literally be covered except for a small square where they're gonna just put a little tube in and pull it out. Yeah. <laughs> what does she think is gonna happen? I just think it's funny. Also, this nurse. This nurse. She's the same nurse who Mama Solis died on her watch. How I'm glad, is she- <laughs> I'm glad she's still working. She's still employed. She fought really hard. Didn't they sue the hospital? Or threatened? I'm they just, threatened. They settled, I think. That woman, that boss, that's the, he's a good boss for keeping her on. Well, you know, maybe she was on leave for a little bit, but she was such a good nurse that the chief let her back in. Oh, my gosh. I just saw her and I was like, I can't believe she still has a job. Um, But the nurse mentioned to... Susan, once Dr. Ron leaves, um, that it's going to be his first splenectomy he's ever done. And Susan, you can tell on her face, she's starting to panic. Yes. And in my brain. But also, like, I feel like that nurse shouldn't have said that. Oh, for sure. Because if you go up to a patient and you're like, okay, so this is going to be their first ever surgery. No, she's awful. She's a bad nurse. Nervous. Yes. (laughs) And even if I know that the doctor knows what they are doing because i just assume doctors know what they are doing yeah like it would still make me a little nervous just yeah. because it's like you're the first one that makes sense i think that i think that and i'm it's, glad that it's, it's not a very good bedside manner I'm no sorry. no no i agree with you i think that nurse is bad at her job <laughs> i think that she shouldn't have said that and then i think we get into it later i do think that because he's having even just a moderately i understand that he's taking the space he thinks he needs as her doctor you know what I mean? I think he shouldn't perform the surgery because they're dating. Yes, I agree. And I agree. think that they get into that later because I think that like, yeah, you don't, I mean, that's, a, I think that that's a known thing that doctors don't like operate or treat their family members because there is, you know, bias. There's a personal yes. connection there. I, I, yeah. I, I just, yeah. Yeah. But we'll get into it later. Because <laughs> first we have to go 
up to Carlos approaching Gabby about babies. He wants a promise ring with a baby on it. <laughs> a little fetus promise yeah, ring. Yeah, you know like those babies that it's like a thing where you put a, a tiny little plastic baby inside like a cake or something. Oh, that's a king cake for yeah, for yeah. Mardi Gras. He yeah. wants that. He wants a king cake <laughs> baby on a ring. Now I want a king cake baby on a ring. I can make you one. I love the little king cake baby. Have you ever found the ki- the baby? I've never had like a king cake. It's fun. I had a workplace we we did it and like there was like four of us and all of us were eating cake all day cuz we wanted to be the one to cuz I think that if you're the the one who gets the slice with the baby in it then you get good luck or something okay um i can't believe we have to get a you turn into a baby you turn into a baby immediately <laughs> i want my youth back <laughs> i start crying <laughs> he says it's okay for him that children is on her timeline but he does want to know that it will happen one day and gabby says that like realistically she can't promise that and i think that that is like makes sense i yeah. don't know i just feel like you can't promise anything really you can't really really promise anything and i think that clearly this is a boundary she has tried to draw multiple times multiple times and he is stomping all over it to the point where he tampered with her medication to get her pregnant he is constantly asking about it when clearly it's not something she wants right now and i think that her saying maybe one day is a big step for her yes and so i think that like I just wish he would realize that that is the compromise she can do right now. But he can't. If you love your partner, you would let them move at their own pace. And I think that, like, I was actually proud of her for at least maybe being like, you know, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Because I think that's a big step for her, and I don't think it was enough for him. And mm-hmm. that made me angry. Yeah. No, I, I love agree. It's loving Gabby hours. And then he goes so much to the point where he hands her the pamphlet on annulments. But that's when Gabby is like, oh, Sister Mary talked to you. Yeah, she knows. She clocked that shit immediately. Yeah, because she's smart. She's smart. Queen Gabby. <laughs> I, I'm shaking. <laughs> I'm gripping my knees. I I just care about Gabby a lot in this episode. And I just... Honestly, let him go. Just let yeah. him go. Go be with somebody else, Gabby. Oh, but that is that scene. Because then we cut to Tom doing dishes. And Lynette gets home and starts talking about the search for the new ad exec. Mm-hmm. And she's wondering if Tom has any wrecks from his old workplace. And he mm-hmm. goes, yeah, I know someone who's loyal, really smart, sexy, scruffy, <laughs> scrumptious, doing the dishes, got some, got some dump truck ass. <laughs> oh, oh, who's that? Oh, uh, why? It's Tom Scavo. Uh, I should have known when he said dump truck ass. <laughs> um, but Lynette is like, uh, no. <laughs> No, I don't yeah. want that. I think that everything Lynetta's saying is completely valid. I do too. <laughs> I, I talked to you about this before we started recording, but I think it's understandable to not want to work at the same place as your partner. Yeah. And Lynette very clearly is uncomfortable with the aspect of him doing that. Yes. And he does not care. No. And like... I just feel like, yeah, there needs to be a separation between work and, and work and home life. I think, I think it's healthy. I think probably, sorry, this is just coming to me now, but like, I think that a lot of us are probably struggling from that right now. Like a lot of people working from home. I know me and my partner are still working from home. Like the separation of work life and home life is so blurry right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is like when all the watercolors get mixed together and on paper and it's just a a blob and so I know that it's like a struggle I think that like there should be a separation because it makes it healthier for you to like put work away focus on your family focus on your life and I think Lynette just wants to do that I think that if Tom is around her all day they're gonna talk about the kids they're gonna talk about the house they're gonna it'll just it'll bleed too much into each other and I think Lynette is completely valid to want that separate and I just I know that Tom is like having a midlife crisis or whatever and wants to be in the workplace again but there's other places to work surely there's other places to work oh i just feel bad for lynette because she yeah. seems yeah you're right she seems like blatantly uncomfortable but then we cut immediately to the office and they are doing the interviews for the day they just let somebody go and bob right bob ed ed <laughs> bland man name yes yes uh, he's like, okay, the next person we have is Tom Cavos, <laughs> which I, that's a me name. That's something I wrote. Tom Cavos. I, I was writing for Desperate Housewives and I was like, this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> How did she not clock immediately? I don't know. Cause it's an anagram. 
Isn't that cool? <laughs> Clearly it's Tom. Yes. Because <laughs> she turns and immediately sees him and is like, what the fuck? And then, yeah, she goes out pretty immediately, pulls Tom into a room, and is like, what the fuck are you doing here? And Tom says some shitty things to Lynette in this yes. scene. He, I don't, I didn't write down everything, but Tom basically is like, you're always competing with me, which, like, it's not a competition if she's winning, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, she's so much better than you, Tomothy. I'm sorry, she's a goddess? <laughs> you are a commoner. Yeah, like, truly, Tom, Tom, it's not a competition with Lynette. She's a queen. And he says that, but then he kind of goes off on her and she tries to compliment him and she's, she finally kind of opens up to him and she's like, basically says what we just said. Like, I think you're smart. I think you have good ideas, but you coast. And if I have to be your boss and I have to like come down on you and I have to be the person who's in charge of you, you're going to resent me and I can't have that. And he's like, well, a part of me has always hated you since you tanked my promotion yeah since you got me fired and that is so much to spring on her the idea that he has been like secretly hating her a little bit and not talking to her about it feels wild and he wonders why he feels so weighted down by depression it's because he's holding all this inside yeah and not talking to his wife about it and that was just a really rough thing to throw at her immediately and then they have to go straight into the interview which Mm -hmm. is what we see next yeah, Ed immediately recognizes Tom when he is looks at his resume, and he's like, "Oh my God, are you the cheese guy? The cheese guy? It's like the cheese is evil or something? Yeah. Some some ad plan that he created that was popular, I suppose." And Ed is in love with Tom, lesbian of the episode, Ed <laughs> nominee. <laughs> yes, Ed wants to kiss Tom, and they are they are hitting it off mm-hmm. like, and Lynette's panicking. Lynette's panicking, so Lynette slides in with. Like, hey, can I take a look at that resume? Oh, this job that you did. Did you do that alone? Or... Did your wife help you? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, uh, my wife did help me. She sounds hot. Um, <laughs> yeah. This break in your resume. Were you fucking fired? Y- yeah, I, I was fired. <laughs> she tries to start throwing those wrenches in, but Tom is able to cover really well. Yeah. And Ed, and is, like, Ed still loves it. He still loves him. And Ed goes, you know, we don't usually hire in room, but... And Lynette's like, we still don't. <laughs> yeah. Cut it off, Ed. She she says, let me reach out to some of the contacts. Let me check the resume a little bit. And then we'll get back to you. <laughs> and Tom leaves. But yeah. Ed's into it. Ed wants to hire him. And Ed's like, if you, if you check this out, he's good. Hire him. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know that they're married, which is weird to me. I know that's resolved pretty much immediately, but I think it's funny. I don't think Ed is the type of person who gets things. Does that make sense? Ed seems like a dummy. Mm -hmm. And if, if we know Tom will be working here it's just Lynette and two bumbling idiots. She just has to cover for these dumb men. Oh, but before we see the end of that, we cut to the church. Gabby is there to see Father Crowley. Crowley? I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah. But Gabby goes into the confession box and wants to ask the father to get rid of Sister Mary Hotpants. And she kind of insinuates... I don't think she intentionally does it first, but she kind of insinuates that Sister Mary is having um, a, an affair with Carlos. Yes. And father, <laughs> the father is like... Well, are they actually having, like, sex? Are they sleeping together? And Gabby thinks for a moment and is just like, yeah, yeah, they're having tons of sex, like, and all over my house. She says she caught them. Yeah. So she, like, did, like she could have, maybe she could have insinuated, right? She could have been like, I think they're having sex. Yeah. But she lied and said, well, I saw them having sex. She wants to get rid of her. Yeah. And she knows that the only way to get rid of her is not to say, I think, but to say, I know. Yeah. And I do not agree with this because this is kind of shady. Yeah. But I do think this scene is very funny. Yes. Because... <laughs> They, they immediately leave the confession like booths, like both of them. And then a new priest walks in and Gabby, Gabby follows and goes, yeah, so I told a fib. Uh, what can I, what do I have to do? Is that 10 Hail Marys or yeah. like, what do I got to do? <laughs> that was funny. Like, I don't necessarily agree. No, but I know. <laughs> it's, it, it was a good scene. It was funny. It was funny. Comedy queen. And then we cut to Danielle weeping in her room. Did you see the photo on her wall? No. It looked like her. Like, I wonder if that's her modeling photos. 
would be very good. I'm going to find a screenshot. I'm going to post it. I think it might be a picture of her on the wall. If it is, I will print it out and <laughs> I will hang it up on our wall. Thank God. But Danielle isn't modeling right now. She is upset with Brie for ruining her relationship. And she thinks that Brie is jealous of her, which is confusing. And she kind of just blows up on Brie and is... And Brie tries to actually be really sweet to her and try to be understanding to no avail because Danielle is just like, you're old, you're dusty, no one will ever love you again, you fucking bitch. Get out of my room. And Brie's like, I'm going to go order a pizza. Sorry. I I kind of liked the pizza touch. because it, a cute it, button, yeah. It, it felt like in season one when <gasps> Andrew and Danielle right. were complaining about how so badly they just wanted to be normal and they didn't want to have extravagant dinners every single night and once in a while they just want a pizza i didn't think about that i i don't know if this was specifically connecting to it but i i really like thinking about that like brie can see that her child is having such a hard time and she goes i will not make dinner tonight and i will do something that i know will like comfort you do you know what we call that what character growth <laughs> hell yeah we love it we love to see uh, it we're seasons <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to the apple white house caleb is in the kitchen with betty and caleb mentions that danielle is pretty and this leads to a kind of an interesting interaction where betty looks really really angry at him and gets really serious and she's like i don't want you thinking about things like that, which I assumed she meant like pretty girls, maybe. Mm-hmm. She threatens him. Yeah. And I just, once again, Betty is just getting very intense kind of out of nowhere for me. Yeah. But we're being I, led to believe that Caleb probably killed a young woman, probably about Danielle's age. So I understand, I guess. We just don't know enough about Melanie to really connect the dots, I think, yet. But I'm assuming that's where that reaction comes from, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that was just what I was assuming. But that's kind of all that scene is. Mm -hmm. Because then we cut to Susan and Ron having a very nice dinner, eating a steak as dry as the Sahara. It's so overcooked. I can even see it visually. (laughs) Yes. I I wrote it in my notes before they even mentioned it in the show because they do mention it. Yes. Because Susan cooked the steak and Susan (laughs) is a very bad cook. But... She starts questioning Dr. Ron, kind of being like, so... Because um, he can't cut through it. Yeah. Because it's the driest steak on earth. Yes. And he's getting a little like, why are you... Being like, weird. Weird yeah. about this. And then she tells him, I, I don't want you to be my surgeon. Yeah. And he gets kind he of... a pants. Yeah, he wets his little diapy. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, he gets... He gets really upset and she says something about his ego and he says, I think I need that to be a surgeon to cut into people. And once again, Grey's Anatomy and basically he just gets really upset. He gets really upset and really offended that Susan would have questioned his surgical skills. He gets really upset. He starts yelling at her. Yeah. Which is part of the reason I do not like Dr. Ron, not just because he's yelling at her, but like we saw him get very angry at her in the first episode. We saw him, Mm -hmm. which to be fair he had more of a reason to be angry because she lied about medical about medical issues to just try to talk to him Mm -hmm. every episode we've seen him in so far he's just gotten very angry at her and just has yelled at her and i just don't think that's good no they're very weird and wishy-washy and i kind of would have loved mike to see this yeah like across the street like how they like to do and i think that it's weird in the first episode, we saw him where he was, like, yelling at her, but he was like, yeah, I'm angry, but I won't be angry on Friday, so now let, then we, we'll go on a date then. And I'm <laughs> yes. like, that's that's a little bit too much for me. <laughs> I'm not super into that. Yeah. But um, I just don't like him. I think he just has some he's, anger issues. He's weird. Yeah. I, I miss Mike. I feel like we haven't seen, like, a... Because Mike and Susan had that sweet episode with the bowling where they seemed like they were getting back to friendship and then we haven't seen them interact since and i hope that maybe they're building up a love triangle i think a love triangle with dr ron and mike would be fun mm-hmm. i just i miss mike i miss yeah. moosin yeah. i miss my moosin and he sees himself out because he wants to just go be alone and then we cut to a great scene lynette arrives home and sees tom sitting there and lynette fessed up to 
Ed that Tom is her husband. And she also tells Tom she doesn't want to stand in the way of him being hired and that Ed's going to offer him the job. But she gives him kind of an ultimatum, kind of a deal, and says that if you take this job, I never want you to bring up the promotion again. And he, he, he's just like, oh, that's it? That's it? Yeah, okay, done, done. And she says, I want to be forgiven. Yeah, and that part, this part is so sad. She Felicia Huffman is giving us acting. Felicia. Felicia, <laughs> Felicia Felicity, Tillman. Felicity, Felicity Huffman is giving us acting here. She kills this scene. She does. She's, a, she's a, I think, acting-wise, she's, like, the best actress for me. I, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I could just see... She's just so good. Mm-hmm. She's just really good in these in these like emotional moments. Oh, it was really great. I think it's very good that they're talking about this yeah. and they're getting it out because she says, I don't want you to resent me yeah. anymore. So like you need to not talk about this because I can't take it. And like you just yeah. said, she asks to be forgiven. And Tom is like, I already forgave you. Which is, then to me, bring it up. Yeah, like, a wild thing to say, because if you had already forgiven her, you would not have brought up, I've hated you a little bit. Yeah. Ever since you took my job away from me. He was using it as a manipulation tactic in that moment, and that's not cool. And she could have called him out on that, but good on her for not, and yeah. just asking for the forgiveness so that they can move the it's fuck like, on. Move on, yeah, because I feel like if she did try to call him out on that, it would have just been lingering. Yeah, I think that's how marriages kind of have to be sometimes like I'm not saying I, I think that there's a difference between like couples who make compromises that like sacrifice parts of themselves and couples who make like genuine equal compromises because they love each other yeah. and they need to get through this thing we call life yeah. you know and so like I think that I, I didn't hate this it sucked but it was like it felt really realistic to me yeah I feel like something I like about Tom and Lynette's marriage is that even in the fights and the bickers they just feel so realistic to me and like identifiable to me as like I, I don't know I just I, I I like them as a couple because I feel like the the realism that the two of those actors bring to these characters even when they're goofy or whatever I don't know I just I, I like I like this it, it feels real yeah you know, I, I understand completely what you're saying, and I agree. <laughs> I can't believe I love this TV show. I can. <gasps> anyway. And guess what else I love? <laughs> what? You. <gasps> I love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> In Caleb's room, we cut to, I'm assuming the next morning, we see that the paper is being peeled off. Oh, wait, really quick to go back. I really like how at the ending of that scene, <laughs> Lynette goes, this dinner's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> That's very good. Her, there was another moment earlier we didn't talk about when she was we talk, when she was drinking and she was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like she was like drinking wine, like choked on the wine. It was like way earlier it in was, the episode. Uh, it was funny though. But now we cut to Caleb's room. The paper is being peeled off, and Bree approaches Betty with trying trying to be nice, trying yeah. to put the kids together. She's like, hey. Our kids obviously really like each other. They want to fuck so bad. And we should just let them. <laughs> but we should supervise. <laughs> Snacks, condoms. Oh, you keep me young. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she makes a wreath. Uh, and Betty is like, Betty, I love Betty. Partially because she's just being she's so fucking weird being and spooky. Insane. She's just like not blinking. She's like. I don't think that's possible, Brie. You control your kid, I'll control mine, okay? Do you not have control over your kid, Brie? I thought we had that in common. I thought we were one and the same. And as Betty is shaking, her veins popping out of her head, Brie glances up and sees Caleb. Yes. The one rule, Caleb the one rule, my little king, was you're not supposed to look out the fucking window. <laughs> my little murderous king. My little murderous king. The one rule was don't look out the window. And he looked oh out the window. And br- I think but something I thought was great acting, great like minimum, like great visual storytelling was when Bree sees that her she shifts, mm-hmm. like her energy shifts and Betty picks up on it. Yeah. And you can see after what her I love her. You can see her seeing that. And I thought that was really cool. 
like visual storytelling so, that you that she picked up on Bree's energy shift. I did as well, and I would also like to. Uh, pardon me for jumping back for a second, but I really liked the transition into this scene where Caleb was taking down the papers, and you could see Brie, Brie walking, walking, yeah. and it goes. It was cool. It was a it was a good chunk. Yeah, and then she sees herself away. She kind of quickly like gets out of that conversation because she has to run home, and we're left with Betty kind of picking up on the vibes. But Brie gets back to the house. She looks to the old an old stack of newspapers, which I guess she saves, which I think is actually like a suburban thing. Oh. Some people like save old newspapers. I have no clue why. Okay. But she basically uses it to confirm for herself that the face she saw in the window was the face of the man who was in the newspaper for having attacked Gabby. That's some Sherlock Holmes consulting detective shit. Detective Brie. There is. Yes. Um. There's, there's just a board game called Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. One of the key mechanics in that game is looking through newspapers. Yes. And as you complete more cases, you get all of the previous newspapers you, you've used. So like you just look through every single one I love for that. any info. Go to twitch.tv slash the pigeon wizard for Nancy Drew streams <laughs> and watch Liz play with their partner. I love a mystery. You love a mystery. You love a detective. Their streams are the best. Brie has this confirmation for herself detective brie news like newspaper out hat on she goes to the phone and i was like oh she's gonna call the cops she's calling lynette she's calling like the women to set up a poker night so she can tell them all why would you not if you were really worried that the there is a man who attacked your friend and escaped from a mental hospital in the in the upstairs room of your neighbor why would you not call the cops they could be worse i mean I do not know because That's that would make the for most sense. I thought Unless she was. Unless they think that she knows that Betty knows. So maybe they'll move him or something. Maybe. And Danielle does walk up and is like, what's going on? And Brie tells her, Brie is like this man. I saw him in the Apple White House. Bold of Brie to trust Danielle of all people. Literally. <laughs> she she should know at this point. She cannot trust either one of her kids. She's like, your kids hate you, Brie. They try to blackmail you every two seconds. But that's kind of the scene we get because we yeah. get more of that Daniel stuff later. But first we have to see Carlos. Yes. He's on the phone or he just is getting off. He's just getting off the phone with Mary. I almost said Mary Alice. You can't have two Marys in a TV show. God, can you please stop? <laughs> um, and he found out that the church is sending her to Alaska. <laughs> Wild. Gabby sneaks the pamphlet away as Carlos is upset. And that's kind of that whole scene. Mm-hmm. Because then we go back to Susan. Mm-hmm. She needs to talk. <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> um, I actually liked the Susan moment. Because yeah. remember in season one when she has that scene with Lynette where Lynette was digging a hole and her arms look amazing. Yeah. And Lin- and Susan was saying like she always moves too quickly with men. She always throws herself into relationships and full body and does not think of what's going to catch her. Right. And she kind of tells Dr. Ron that. And I like this, like, self-awareness we're getting from Susan. How she says, like, I've always jumped through hoops for men. I've always, I've been the one, she's been jumping through hoops. And she's like, I've been the one doing everything I can. I I bend myself backwards to try to make men happy. And I just don't think I want to do that anymore. I just want to be myself and, like, have, be equal in my relationship. Yeah. And I'm proud of her for I'm acknowledging so that. so proud of her. And she also says, like, if that means... We can't be together because I don't want you as my surgeon. Then so be it. I am proud. I'm so proud of her. That's like really nice awareness and character growth from Susan. Yeah, I love it. I think the more we talk about this episode, the more I like it. Yeah, it's a good episode. It's a good episode. Uh, And then Dr. Ron kind of chimes in and goes, well, you say you've been here for what? Three hours, two hours ago, a package of chocolates and flowers were sent to your house with an apology note. I thought that was nice. Yeah. I think that he will prove to be similar to Carl in terms of uh, he fucks up really bad. And then I said that's so <laughs> really bad. <laughs> and then just assumes that gifts will make it better. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that maybe this is a test for a season, right? Don't pick another guy like Carl. Like, you know what I mean? Like maybe he doesn't seem like a Carl, but I think deep down underneath the facade, he could be a Carl. And maybe that's why I don't like him. Maybe because like that seems similar to to Carl's style in terms of fucking up, but then being suave and apologizing and bringing gifts and and pushing it down so that it goes away. So 
I hope this is a test for Susan that she will pass. Yeah. I hope Dr. Ron listened to her. Yes. Like, I'm just worried. Yes. And I'm thinking that now because I want to say for our, our Patreon people who will see my notes. Yes, I did say I like him in this part, but disregard that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I have notes that I just like go back on. <laughs> But we cut to Danielle meeting Matthew and she immediately is like, what's the fucking tea? Who's in your house? And he says he can't tell her. And she says, look, my brother did something bad. I have some secrets. Show me yours and I'll show you mine. And then he goes, show me yours and then I'll show you mine. And Which sh- red flag, red flag, red flag, ding, 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 Danielle, no. But love has blinded her. Oh, my God. There are Wisteria Lane's Romeo and Juliet, you know? <laughs> Star-crossed yeah. lovers. Um, Danielle is Leonardo DiCaprio, and Matthew <laughs> is also Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, a gay Romeo and Romeo. I just realized, I think Edie Britt has been our only lesbian of the episode nom. I had one in a minute. Okay, never mind. Fuck me. <laughs> just fucking. I thought I was like, oh, fuck you. So that's going to happen. I assume that will come back later because she is just handing him blackmail material on a platter. Yeah. And we see it kind of at the end of this episode. But first we get to what I would call an incredibly iconic Desperate Housewives scene with Gabby arriving at the church to gloat in front of Sister Mary Hotpants. Oh, she is doing like a supervillain monologue. Yeah. Like, I did it. <laughs> and Sister Mary is like scrubbing the floor and just at one point just looks at Gabby and just throws it at her. Oh. <laughs> like the scrubby she's nails using. Nails her in the back of the head and... And then I, Gabby slaps. Slaps. I wrote lesbians of the episode for girl fighting. Yeah. You know lesbians what I mean? Lesbians of the episode. Yeah. The, noms. The, noms. 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 I, for, for, for just having a girl fight. Yeah. Um, And they just start brawling. And That's then so good. This, this like. I love this Other scene. nun brings in just a bunch of children where there is one child <laughs> wearing a bowler hat in the background that is just wild. Like two like slick pieces of hair. The bowler and hat then is a too bo- small for their head. Oh my God. Um, it's like Hill House. <laughs> um, yes, it is. I'm going to um, scream. It's like, I, I tried to see if they were in in focus this child is like blurry in every shot they're in but i'm still gonna post it on our social media Good. this bowler hat child oh my god ashley and the bowler hat kid <laughs> spinoff <laughs> that's you and me yeah. i'm ashley you're the bowler hat kid yes um and they're brawling sister mary gets her sleeve set on fire that is insane i think it's really funny when like gabby helps put it out and she's like are you okay sister mary alice her sleeve is perfectly pristine and then she just goes back and she bites brie on the <laughs> neck you just called her brie and you called the nuts mary alice <laughs> I, I think your brain is melting king the point remains there's there's fire there's biting there's a lot going on and I don't, does the scene just end with them being pulled apart, I think? Yeah, it does. By a priest. And then we cut to Gabby arriving home. Her hair is still a wreck. She didn't, she didn't <laughs> do anything to it. Carlos comes storming out and is like, um, did you fucking fight a nun? The church called me. And Gabby's like, uh, yeah, I did do that. What's up? <laughs> and oh, she says, oh, what's up? My God. Sorry. I just read one of my notes. Um, yeah, I, w- I was kind of hoping she was just going to kick Carlos's ass as well. <laughs> She's like, I'm ready for a fucking fight. Do I you- just like, he comes up to her and is like, I wasn't like threatening you or anything with annulment. I was asking you for a promise. And Gabby pretty rightfully is like, I am so offended and angry that that you were married to me and you would have fallen for her string pulling that you would have fallen for everything she was trying to make you do to our marriage like that's offensive to me like that is that is upsetting to me that you would choose her side over your wife's and he just says he needs to have a child and she says a great line she says i need to know that i'm more than just a womb on legs for you yeah and she gives him an ultimate ultimatum and she says please choose so i can move on with my life either you have me how i am or you let me go and i love it yeah break up let gabby be a single girl but Mm -hmm. 
I choose you, Gabby. <laughs> I choose you. I wrote in my notes, blarf. <laughs> blarf. Uh, but then she also is like, hmm. I want to have a baby now. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand this. I, love I just wanted you. I just wanted to know you would pick me. And now that I know. I'll, I'll fucking pop a baby out for you. Why not? That makes no sense. No. I loved Gabby every second in this episode up until this point. And I was like, what the fuck? Why does she want to have a baby out of nowhere? Yeah. And the scoring is really romantic. I was like, what is happening? It's confusing. Yeah. But the we get a saucy last scene. We're at pre-poker night. Pre-poker night. I was poker? Gabby. I really know <laughs> I ascend. <laughs> Bree is setting up poker night and there is a little knocky knock at the door. Knocky knock. It's Betty. Betty charges in and she's like, listen, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's. She just blackmails Bree, basically. Yeah. She's like. I've always thought the maternal instinct is one of nature's most amazing gifts. I mean, the length that some mothers will go to to protect their children. It drives ordinary women to do extraordinary things. Women like me, Bree. And like you. What are you talking about? If you breathe one word of Caleb's existence to anyone, I will tell Carlos, Gabrielle, and the police that it was your son driving the car that killed Juanita Solis and that you have been covering up his crime ever since. Yeah, I'm so torn with my feelings about how they're treating Brie this season mm. because I feel like it's just a lot of let's mess with Brie every five minutes. <laughs> let's just give Brie a bunch of shit. To be fair, they have given her so much shit. Her son did commit a hit and run. So maybe <laughs> this is something that is deserved a little bit. <laughs> but I, I just feel like they're just they're just messing with her character so much this yeah. season. No, where it's I like I, I just I, I'm just interested in why. Let her live. Yeah. Let my queen just have happiness for once give in her, her goddamn life. Give her two seconds. Give her two seconds of happiness. Give may, let Brie be happy challenge. Yeah. And then we get all of the women coming in. Ready to talk. And Brie covers it up. She mm -hmm. goes, oh, I just, I Invited wanted Betty. to invite Betty to our weekly poker nights. That's it. That's all. And Betty comes out, again, not blinking. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> I, I hope you like fingers. She had, her she had her eyelids removed yeah. so that she could be really, really intense. Yeah. And the women know. That something, something is, is going up. on. And and then we get our Mary Alice monologue. Oh, yes. The nature of war. And victory depends on cards that have been dealt. And we get like a, kind of like a panning shot around. It's a fun. It's women. a fun like thing. It's fun. Yeah. Betty. Oh, God. There's we end the episode on Betty being like, I raise all of the women folding and then Brie looking at her and going, I raise you. It was really good, especially because the, the monologue at this point is saying, like, some give in, but for others, surrender is unacceptable. Yeah. Because even though they may know it's a fight to the death, they do it anyway. Yeah. And I was like, ooh. So, like, even though Betty's character shift is, like, freaking me out a bit, the money move of the blackmail was fun. And I like that we're possibly moving towards, like, a Betty Brie face-off. Like, that's fun. I'm super into it. And I... To be honest, I don't think we would have this Brie without the um, George stuff and the Andrew blackmailing stuff. I yeah. think Brie has yeah. really hardened. Mm -hmm. And she, because I feel like if this was season one, if Brie was presented with this blackmail, Brie would truly do anything to like stop um, this woman from letting that get out. Mm -hmm. Meaning, like, she would cave in. She wouldn't try to fight back. She would just let it happen yeah. until she figured out one thing to do. But I think this is Brie being like, She's a fighter yes, now. I caved today, but this is not over. Yeah, this is a battle. This is not the war. I think that we wouldn't have this Brie without her having shit every five minutes thrown yeah, at her. I, I love Brie. I'm really loving this. I, I also, like I said, I think that the... As I've said a million times, the Betty shifts are confusing for me, writing-wise. But I also think that 
excuse my language, but with this storyline, with this mystery, they blew their load pretty early. Yeah. Like, they blew, they gave us so much of the mystery early on. Like, we basically know most of what happened. We know that Caleb killed a girl, and we know her name is Melanie Foster. And, we like, they, they gave us so much of the mystery early on, and it's kind of tapered. And so it's gotten boring. And I'm not saying, I, I don't think this is great. Like I would have wished that the mystery was better executed, but I do think this Betty brief face off is breathing new life into the mystery yes. because the mystery has gotten a little boring in these last couple episodes. And so I think that I, it's, I'm excited about the mystery again because it feels like there's a new layer to it. So I think this was actually a pretty good writing choice i think it was as well if i have one worry about it yeah we're only on episode 13 yeah we have so much because it's like 24 episodes i think this yeah so my only worry is that they're blowing another load too early (laughs) blowing another load they just keep blowing loads (laughs) and it's just too soon it's too Too premature loads too many loads this doesn't happen i I promise not usually not usually (laughs) um yeah, I think that's my only concern. <laughs> We're gross. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta be gross. <laughs> we gotta be gross when it comes to desperate housewives. And May I say? What say? Edie Britt lesbian of the episode. I agree. Let's okay, do it. Okay, good. High five. <laughs> I missed her being lesbian of the episode. Thank you for remembering, because I was about to say, and that was season two, episode 13. That was a good episode. Yeah. I liked it. Of Desperate Housewives. Of Desperate Housewives. <laughs> I almost said of Wisteria Gaze. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, technically, yes. But we have been Wisteria Gaze. And if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Wisteria Gaze or on Instagram at Wisteria Gaze underscore or on our website, WisteriaGaze.com or our other domain, Wisteria.gay. It all goes to the same place. You can find us anywhere. Yeah, and on that website, you can find links to our merch page. We have mm-hmm. some great merch. We have a Fairview High Abstinence Club shirt, as well as a logo shirt for Wasiri Gaze. Yeah. And hopefully some more stuff soon. We want to maybe possibly commission some designs and get some fun stuff up there, so stay yeah. tuned. Yeah, and... Yeah, and the way we're going to try to commission some designs is through our Patreon. Oh. Um, Our Patreon is great. It helps us out a lot. We love everybody who subs patrons is i don't know the word we love all of our patrons yeah yeah we love all of them you get some great goodies like our show notes you get a monthly video postcard and you get a shout out at the end of every episode yes so we're gonna take a minute to shout out our patrons because we love you aj alan annie cheryl elise helena lisa Liv, nadia rebecca and tom thank you so much for being our patrons and supporting the show yes it means the world uh you know what i love Mackenzie? me what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> what this is so funny Sorry, I, I sorry, I, I overstepped. I'm sorry. What no, do you What do you fine. love? What I, do you love? Tell I me. love reading reviews for our podcast. Oh yeah, me me too, totally. Because yeah. they help people find our show. Believe it or not. What? Oh my yeah. gosh. And at the end of every episode, we like to pose a question to get those review juices flowing. The questions are always optional, but we'd like to have fun and answer them ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this week's episode should be, who would you brawl on Wisteria <laughs> Lane and where? I have an answer. Okay. I'm fighting Susan. <laughs> okay. At the karaoke bar. Why? Because it'd be funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you in the piano? I'm in the piano, and I and she's about to sing New York, New York, and I jump out of the piano, and I just fight her on stage while Julie and Edie and Carl watch. Um, okay. And we're both going, New York, New York, as we, as we fight each other. I would fight Tillmeister. <gasps> Ooh, she might win that one. At the quarry. <laughs> the because, quarry with paul yeah where he was left <laughs> because she i think she would fight dirty and i think it'd I be think, a hard i fight. think she would yeah and like i just i just want to know i just want to know if i'm tough enough that would be the fight of a lifetime yeah i think that's a great fight especially if like we have an audience at the quarry and mm-hmm. it's just like a fight club kind of thing yeah oh yeah um, with Steri- both of us are shirtless wisteria lane <laughs> fight club yes oh 
Yes. Uh, so when you leave a review, you are now in our fight club. So the first rule about fight club is you don't talk about it unless you're leaving us a review. Yes. And what you tell us who you're going to brawl and where. Other than that, you can find me, Liz, on any form of social media at the Pigeon Wizard. And you can find me at Mackenzie Wilkes. Mackenzie, mm-hmm. I do love you. Holy shit. Good. Thank you. I love you too. Yay. <laughs> Everyone else? Yeah. Stay juicy. Stay juicy. <laughs>